Yo ho all hands hoist the colors high. Hello and welcome to Steel Blade Showtime episode 19. I'm sorry for another cringeworthy intro, but it just fits today's episode. It wasn't there- as bad as last time. You're right, but Fine. my thing is horrible and I apologize for your eardrums. <laughs> How are you doing this week, Derek? I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. It's a nice casual morning. I got my bean juice. Got a fair amount of fab in this week. We're we're doing good. Well, what'd you do this week in flesh and blood? Uh, this week I went to uh, CC. Uh, my brain just totally turned off there. I was gonna say CC. Who was playing CC and why did I miss it? Ah, uh, because it was down a fourth wall. Oh well, they actually you guys actually did play CC there. We did, yeah. I thought, you, I thought you guys were going to try and stiff-arm the draft again. I think there was some debate for it, but like a couple of the people weren't down for draft. Um, and we didn't want to do that to, uh, you know, some people showed up only ready for CC and then go, actually, it's draft. No. We know you don't care for the format, but... <laughs> if I would have known it was CC, I might actually show what's going up. I didn't show up yeah. because I thought y'all were drafting. We ended up actually calling it a dealer's choice format because uh, a few of the folks, uh, you know, my, myself included, not that I'm able to go to any, were prepping for skirmish. So we were talking about doing some blitz, but again, some of the folks only had uh, CC. CC on them. So, so basically, we, whatever you wanted to play, you and your opponent wanted to play, you played kind of thing? Yep, exactly. Okay. That's that's what we did. You know, we had a, a couple of matches go off at Blitz, a couple of matches go off at CC. Um, all three of mine went CC, but that is a okay. I'm happy with whatever format I play. I'm I'm just I'm just happy to be playing, you know. Mm-hmm. But I went uh, I went two one. I managed to get the the dirty play of I was up against a a dash not Rose, uh, and I threw. Spider Bite hits, then a Death Touch from Arsenal, red, of course. Uh-huh. Uh, had to block with three cards, and I had the Spreading Plague to back it up. So they took six damage anyway. <laughs> uh, it's, it's beautiful when you can line it up. That had to feel really good. It, it felt great for me. Uh, Russell did not have a great time <laughs> on the receiving end of that. <laughs> Three blood rot. Oh, it is it is brutal because especially with spreading plague when you've blocked three times to get it in the first place, you don't have nine resources floating around to block it. Nope. You you might have a blue left that you're willing to to pitch in, but probably you don't. So basically, it was take six or take six. Right. Exactly. Rip. Then I had a, a match against a Missouri who uh, got them to fatigue. I was only a couple of cards away, but I I had just enough to to get in the win. Mm-hmm. Got them down to their last card in hand, which was a Plague Hive. Uh, Rip. Yep. Yep. So we just agreed once uh, once we hit that point, you know, there's there's no sense in playing it out. He he can't actually do anything to win. He can dagger once a turn, and I can just throw, like, here's a four, here's a four. Because yep. I had black decks ready, so I couldn't keep the pace. And who was my third matchup? 
I know I, I lost pretty handily, but I... Oh, yeah, it was Sam on Dorinthia. That's Oof. what it was. Uh, and whenever I had the extra blocks, he had exactly enough to get over the top, <laughs> including on a glistening turn. Saw the twinnings right when he wanted to, and had the the most beautiful finish where I, I blocked as hard as I could. Mm -hmm. uh, and this man, uh, I was only at like five or, five or six life left, and he was already presenting like eight base. I was able to block to ten, I think, uh, somewhere around there. I was just a little above, and he did a uh, singing steel blade, because I had to block from hand, into a... Uh, glistening, mm -hmm. or glint, rather. Okay. Drew a card, and then played another singing to get uh, twinning. So it got just over the top to get the counter and the draw card off of the Steel Blade Supremacy that was up. And then followed through with another attack while my hand was empty. Rip. It was it was a gorgeous play, but oh my god, does that feel bad? <laughs> I, it, it didn't help that he was able to sit at like like a five power dawn blade for uh -huh. like three turns. So I was just on the back foot the entire time. Yeah, you know what helps with the dawn blade? Buzzsaw trap. I, I wish I had it. Unfortunately, <laughs> I was on the wrong nasty boy. Oh. Oh. Oh, I saw that. I had to take it. Well, now you know how it feels to be on the other end of a Dorinthia sword. I've I've been on the other end. It feels bad. <laughs> as soon as that steam train gets rolling, it's just it's just pain town. And I love it. Like I'm, I'm so happy to sit across from Dorinthia's. I may get like devastated, but I just like seeing her get played. She is so fun and fancy fresh. Uh, I feel the same way with Bravo, right? Well, then we had our uh, our draft on Friday at Al, uh, six person draft, nice and casual. We uh, had a pretty insane volume of, like, good cards opened. So before the draft, uh, uh, one of our friends opened a Rainbow Plague Hive, which is already the third that's been opened <laughs> that we're aware of from Owl's Packs. It's nuts. Absolutely nuts. Right. Then during the draft, Jason opened uh, in all in his packs, like the ones that were sitting in front of him, an Amnesia, a Codex of Inertia, and a Premeditate, which the Premeditate was not originally in front of him. But this is why you never swap packs. So Swapped a pack with Cat. And that was the one that had premeditated it. 
So what you're saying is he activated his goblin eyes and said, that's my pack. He did. It was goblin eyes hour. <laughs> and then he had a, a really solid pool. Uh, it ended up being me and him in the in the finals, both 2-0. And it was down to one last card in hand uh, for him. And I had two in hand. As it turns out, I had the only arrow left. <laughs> and I was able to fire it for three when he had a two block in hand at one life. Rip. If that didn't land, that was that was the end. Mm -hmm. I lost. Well, we drew, but yeah. I think Bo should have like a two cost fire, you know, shoot for one kind of thing. You don't have to have an arrow. You just like you know, it. You like put the bow like basically like a regular weapon. You can block it, but it just fires it for one kind of thing. It would be great. Anything. I I was even talking with um with Jeff, who was thinking about this idea for uh a, a quiver he would rather see that was like you pay into it and it makes an ephemeral arrow. Ooh, yeah, that's a good idea. And then like you you might still have to pay something to fire it, you know, it or or do something, but it's it's still that one extra like yeah something that you it's not as soon as you run out of arrows you're done with the game it, you right. can once you hit the fatigue state you can still kind of load fire load fire load fire which would have been nice yesterday <laughs> yep yep what we got into uh we we got together and we played some games uh and our our first game was a Riptide versus Riptide Mirror. Yeah. Um, Not a normal Riptide, though. Somebody no. had some rant breath yesterday. It, it was my, my patented, patented bad idea deck for Riptide. <laughs> like, I had talked about the, the 0 for 3 from Arsenal, like Promise of Plenty and all that Riptide before. I kind of realized I don't think that's that's not the Riptide weird build I wanted to do. So this build was entirely on draw a boatload of cards utilizing Riptide's ability uh, and just fire off one enormous fire-breathing or exude confidence. <laughs> Hence Brandon's idea for calling it Rancid Breath Riptide. <laughs> So, early game, first two turns, Derek goes, all right, Widowmaker, and I saw, like, oh, both of my hands had, like, two D-reacts in them, and I was just like, hmm, all right, and I had to block Widowmaker with two cards, so from now on, whenever I go against Derek, I'm probably going to swap out, um... My hornet sting for gambler's gloves, so I can just slap them in front of the widowmaker, right? Or something. Um, I mean, there's there's gonna there's got to be something better that you can put in than than gamblers. Like even 
See, that's where the van braces would have came in handy. Yeah, yeah, the van braces would have been great. Ah, I traded them like, away, it's fine. They're only like 30 bucks. Yeah. So, and then proceeded to be just a slog of a game of us basically fire him firing arrow at me, me firing arrow at him, D-reacts aplenty, D-reacts yeah. not going off because we're not activating any reactions or go-agains. Um, me early game using my quiver and my perch grapplers to try and not have to discard off a codex. Um, making wrong went, alright, lace with frailty, lace with frailty. Play the codex of uh, fr- inertia. Pray, I just arsenal the arrow, and I arsenaled an arrow that I needed a resource for that I didn't have, so I just cried. Um, yeah. And then finally, we get a, so we're basically like he's he sigiled three times throughout the whole game, and so I'm staying at lower life, but we're not moving. It's block out, block out, block out, block out, block out, block out. Finally, an exude confidence comes in, and I take damage. And then we go back to the same board state of block out. <laughs> it's basically, I'm wondering if this is what old him mirrors feel like. I I imagine they do. It's so painful. But it was a lot, but a lot less fun. Because Riptide, you can still be like, ah, you got me. Gotcha. Pinged um, for trap. <laughs> Pinged for trap. Um. Then finally you go, all right, here's a, what was it, like a 11 fire breathing for the first one? Yeah. And I go, oh, okay. Here's Buzzsaw Trap. Yep, just shut it right down. <laughs> like, I had I had to fire it off, though, because I couldn't try the full combo. Because I, I knew Buzzsaw was in there. If I tried the full combo, and then I I let it all happen... And I, I presented because the, the technical ceiling, I believe, is 42 damage that you can present. And, and of course, that, that assumes that you have the perfect lineup of hands, including like cards and arsenal, having hit with Pursuit of Knowledge the turn before. Um, you'll, you'll never actually do 42 with it, but it would feel so bad to if I had hit that state through 42 damage and then buzzsaw trap all gone absolutely that would have been terrible but instead I only dropped it from 11 and then later so we go back to the same board state there was actually a board state once where we both had all hands of D-reacts and I would just <laughs> arsenal and I had sunk and then drew into the same card I had just sunk and I was like, all right, Arsenal. I had another sunk, drew into another card, finally got an arrow, and then Derek over de-reacted the arrow just to get rid of his hand. I had to. Because part of the problem with that was was my hand included uh, two unmovables and either a sink or a fate, something like that. And I, I had one blue to play an unmovable, but I just... I just had to get rid of cards. The number of times my deck had bricked on, like, well, I guess I'm not even firing an arrow this turn. <laughs> See, against anyone else, 
probably wouldn't have been bad hand against another reptile that can brick the same <laughs> way. Terrible. It was awful. This is one of the reasons why, uh, why rangers need like a quiver that fires off ephemeral arrows or something like that. Is you need something to get you out of that board state. I know there's like a a technical answer for if you get into a straight up unplayable board state, like if if you didn't have trench. Yes. I know there's something that happens. Like I think you call a judge, prove that nothing can be done, and then I think you get to like reshuffle and draw again, something like that. I'm not entirely sure. Um but I know there's a way to get out of that that board state because they'd rather the game get played through than just call that a draw. Mm-hmm. Which that's just, just kind of nice. Yeah, you just need the the judge's approval to you know to basically prove this isn't just somebody sitting on an attack they don't want to play right now. You know, they're yeah. trying to get it into second cycle. If you've got something like that, yeah, you just got to play it. Yeah. But and then so yeah that happened like we said thankfully the trench was I just I trench did that I looked at Derek and he goes all right go ahead and I'm like what and you're like yeah <laughs> that happened like three or four times in like a was, row until you got the card you needed to fire and at that point what I should have done was just been like all right trench arsenal all right or and I should have just kept basically just putting a card from my hand or the top. It would have to be a card from hand, draw, put a card from hand under till I got to an arrow. And but right. anyway. So we got out of that. And then a 12 exude confidence came at me when I had D, all D reacts in hand with oh. like one arrow. And I said, Alright, I'm taking twelve. Or did I take six? I think I took twelve. I, no. No, I blocked a little bit. Yeah, you blocked a little bit of it. Um Right, because you ended up taking nine off it. Is that it where I used my trench? Three. Was that where I used my trench? Oh, maybe. Got rid of my trench. And then we made it even further into the game. This is where De- that was where Derek comboed off. You're like, all right, I gotta do something. Comboed off and just threw a giant exude confidence. Then get <laughs> I'm just firing an arrow at a time. Keep pitching them, trying to make sure I keep arrows in the deck a little bit. Um, and we get to his second fire breathing, which was coming in for 13. He didn't save any resources. Like an idiot. So I, 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 Derek, I lined this up so perfect. And Derek was so unhappy, but so like amazed that this played out as perfect as it did. Because <laughs> my man had one of the old Crucible traps in Arsenal. Played it. I took the damage. Played one of the new traps from hand. Arsenal the Crucible trap <laughs> to play. <laughs> played one from hand. Arsenal the Crucible trap and ended on... Play. So instead of taking... 13 or anything over the top. One of them was the rock slide trap, so that knocked it down to 11. Which was exactly what you had, if memory serves. It was 
I don't I already forget. But basically it took away my arsenal and all my hand. But he uh he took three damage. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I took damage and that was important for your end of the game plan. Uh because honestly that was the turn that probably well pushed us to draw rather. Yes. Um because that turn I had Wormonger's recital as part of the yeah. the, the fire breathing. So if one damage had gotten through, I could do it again later. Yeah, and later again, you would have, and I probably would have died. Right. Instead, I said no. Absolutely not, sir. And then we got basically to a draw, and if I didn't have heart in my deck, he would have won, because he had a pitfall trap left. Yep. But, because I have heart, I was able to go up to two hot life, and basically, we hit a draw at that point because neither of us had any. I had one arrow left. I had two arrows left. One you were able, you would have been able to block out with your hand. The other one you would have been able to block out with the pitfall. You would have had no cards left, and I would have just had D reacts. Right. Because I I made the idiotic choice. I I wasn't paying attention to my deck size, and I was so focused on like, okay, I'm at the point where I have so many card draw effects. I gotta do them and make my one last fire breathing attempt. And I didn't pay attention to the fact that the cards I banished to draw with Art of War were my last two blues in the deck. And, your and last then I two drew arrows. my Yeah, my last two blue arrows. And the last card I drew, which was the last card in my deck, was a three of a kind. <laughs> so I it was a really pathetic last little thing. <laughs> oh, it was a fun game, though. It was. It was a blast the whole way through. But you know, I learned something from yesterday. I think toxicity is a trap. I, I think it's a lot better in Azalea, now that I'm thinking through. Because the, she uh, can... Themselves. She can just dominate it and push across. Where I'm like Riptide, I'm like, if people are able to just go, okay, block it out, and then you're just like, well, that was a waste of a card. Whereas I can put something like the Lace with Inertia in and give it another plus three with another on-hit effect. Right. Instead of saying, if it hits, it'll, you know, you lose life, but, oh, if you block it out, well, it ain't gonna happen, nothing's gonna happen. Whereas adding six to an arrow is a lot better. Yes. Because you have to physically block that six. And so, with some of the, uh, the buffs for rangers, you can say, hey, no defense reactions from either hand or arsenal. Mm -hmm. And then that's just going to feel really bad. Yeah. So still it works, but I think I'm getting somewhere with it. Because I I liked yesterday, because it was you know you block, and then you just fire an arrow. Oh, will they block? Well, you took some cards out. Well, they don't block while you're doing damage. Yep, you're falling into the fatigue strategy. <laughs> also, yes. Also, against you, I forgot about this. The one turn I had, I had my hand. You fired something. I blocked out with three, left a card in hand, and I had a card in Arsenal. 
So it came around to me. I sunk the card in Arsenal with Trench to gain a resource. Played Codex of Frailty. Got an arrow out of my graveyard. Got a Ponder token. Fired the arrow. And then had an Arsenal at the end of the turn. All on one card, basically. Yeah. It's it's super high value. Uh, I, I think that was even a Remorseless. Yes! Because I was like, alright, give me that Remorseless back. Fire. I remember it being extra bad for me because because like two of the three times you had remorseless, I had uh, the was it tripwire the red crucible trap mm-hmm. uh, in my arsenal, which I can't defend with defense reactions from arsenal to remorseless. So I was just like, all right, cool. I guess this is just st- staying here for a while. <laughs> But yeah, so I like I feel like I'm getting a good feel of Riptide right now. Probably not. I'm probably like way off what he should be. Obviously, because I have very limited, but the way I feel playing it, I'm starting to get like the same feeling as Leviathan's. I like how the deck's like going about. There's so many moving parts to Riptide that I, I think is fascinating. It's it, it does have that same kind of feeling to me. Uh that Leviah does to play against. Your opponent is managing something that you can't really see. You know if they manage it poorly, then they just kind of stutter and and like you yeah. get all the tempo back. But unlike Leviah, where the stutter you get in tempo is, oh, they lose 14 health. Yeah. <laughs> Riptide to stutter is, oh, here's a hand of all D-reacts. It doesn't hurt as bad, but you're down. You know, you're down to turn, man. Right. But Which... he can kind of shift it a little bit still. Whereas Leviathan, you just start sputtering out of control. And the number of turns that you have as Riptide that you are able to just be defending and end up dealing damage is really satisfying. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah, because. I always forget about him being able to just be like, oh, the trap triggered? One damage. Yep. It's so good. See, so basically, Leviah, when she sputters, is like, you're driving down the highway, your tire blows up, the car flips, does a barrel roll, a couple barrel rolls into the side of the gutter, and it's no longer usable. It's just totaled. Riptide, the tire blows out, you just pull off to the side, replace it, get it back on, and get back to going. Right. You may be a little bit behind in the race now, but at least you're still moving. Yes. Levine, you're just, you're, it's literally like you just fall off a cliff. You run into the proverbial tree. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you get, then Swing Big comes back and swats you all the way back to the beginning or till the end. He just, did you see the finish line? You're running, you're going to win. And then the Swing Big just goes, whap, and then you're back where you started but not literally because you're closer to the end but not the end you want to see right but yeah so yesterday i did speaking of managing with riptide i didn't know if you like took notice to it but like as i was playing and i knew i was going like how your deck was going to play out and i knew it was going to be a long game i would be looking at my hand going all right how can i make this work without using as many cards as possible and then, so, that's one, like, one, I uh, was like, all right, here's an amplifying arrow for two. 
It sounds right. dumb, but I'm looking at my hand, I'm going, I need to like preserve stuff here. And I was always making sure I was pitching at least one arrow to be able to get it to another cycle. Right. And yes, you heard that, that right. Amplifying arrow for two. That was the play that confused me the most. Now, like it, it could have just been as simple as you had no way to, to pump it that turn. But I didn't. It was just, it startled me. It had me in that thought of, wait, is it? Just like squinting my eyes at it. Is this where I see like a secret razor reflex <laughs> to give it plus four? <laughs> nope. Is this what's about to happen? Nope. It was literally just here's two. Uh, it was more to free up my arsenals because I was starting to get clogged in Arsenal at that point, and I had a Codex in hand that I wanted to play. Right. So it and was I, going... I that was post-Trench Break, too, I think. Yes. Yep. So. Yeah, so that's how yesterday went. Um... I'm honestly really enjoying Riptide right now. He's he's fun to play. He gives me the you know serotonin that you know I have to I slow I had basically like we said when we were with Caleb on the episode you slow the game down to not where you're stalling but you're playing at a pace where you have to you can't rush it. Kind yes. of thing. And every game with him doesn't it's not fully linear because you have diff you can side some d reacts out and go into a full like a harder here's an arrow here's an arrow here's an arrow or you can d react your way to the end and just slowly chip them down so yeah. he's not too he's he's more linear than Leviah. obviously you can't get much less linear than a brute but he doesn't feel as like linear as something like brava was for me Right. A, a lot of the times with, with Bravo and a, a few other heroes, you draw your hand, you know exactly what you're going to be doing next turn, barring some like devastating on hits you're going to face. Yeah. Um, but there there is a, a clear, optimal play. Yep. And I, it's really fun for the heroes that don't have that, like, no, no, you do this one. This is this is the thing to do. And there's so many little fiddly things you can do with Riptide that I've I I, I really liked from when I was playing. Like my favorite play, and this is such a, a little play, I had a turn where I was able to uh use Oasis Respite, put something in Arsenal with Riptide's trigger, and use the floating resource to flip that. So you're not wasting as many yeah. resources with Oasis, because that's one of the things that always kept me away from it. It is an inefficient like card to play. Yes. But it's one thing that like in Riptide, with a lot of these uh the outsiders arrows give plus one when they have the aim counter. And the aim counters stick around on like the older arrows, which have to be flipped that turn to keep their effect you get a lot more uh a lot more value out of pitching into the into the oasis 
And I, I really like seeing that that bit of versatility in that card. Also, and that's another thing is like when we were sitting there working on our deck, I ended up taking out my a lot of the yellow or blue arrows and replacing them with yellows. Because based you know with us talking, you know basically you're right. You know blues are blues are great, but I'm not using three resources every turn. Um, so and the yellow arrows have a little bit harder breakpoint on it than the blues because you still have to defend four as defending a three blue arrow. So you're still having to force at least two cards out of hand on that. Right. It's like a, a lot of times you might be willing to, on a blue that has a name counter coming in for four, yeah, you might be willing to spend the, like the fate or the sink to stop the effect. Mm -hmm. But on a five, you're going to give the fate plus another thing? Yeah. And like yesterday noticing, like I could literally hold an arrow and a yellow, load the arrow and fire it. On literally just two cards. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I am really starting to like Ranger. Like, I never gave it an earnest choice, like, um, chance before. And after drafting Riptide a couple of times, and, like, playing these builds, it's fascinating. So, does that mean you're going to start playing Riptide more? Eh, maybe. Uh, I, I might end up with like a draft preference for him. Like if I see a couple of good ranger cards, I might just take those. You know, Nigel, if you're I... listening to this, tell him he needs to play Rancid Breath Riptide for the next out one k. I I wouldn't even necessarily be mad about it. Uh, depending on the meta, I mean, I I think I would just get devastated by the likely incoming wall of azaleas but that's when you put the you swap out like one air three arrows for the um oh what it's the one from dynasty i'm already which, forgetting which factor are you thinking of the one attack and one non-attack one like one attack oh, action yes the because oh. I, I had it in my list originally I've been on the receiving end of it. I don't remember what it is, because um, I I am not a ranger person. And the just... couple of times I've faced it down, it was like unimpressive to me because I was I was on Arachne. I'm only throwing one thing anyway. <laughs> it didn't affect me really. Did I leave it in my list? Immobilizing shot. That's the one. Also, I think Sleep Dart says they can only activate one action, right? Uh, sleep Dart is turns off hero power. That's right. The one action is red in the ledger. Alright. Which... Alright. But enough about Riptide. Let's get in some to some Riptide. So we were talking last night and uh, Ren found out I still have not read Riptide's lore. So... <laughs> We're we're going to get uh, some live reactions to my uh, to our our sweet new gross nasty boy and his story. Did you read Azuri's lore yet? I've not. 
All right, so maybe we'll do the dive into that next week, and we can both react to it. Sounds right. good. So what you do know of Riptide is he's terrifying. Um, in what was it? Was it called a spider's nest? The previous article, yeah, that they put whatever up? the like the the story story of outsiders as he, opposed to like their individuals. He literally plays claw machine with the other assassins and just it doesn't say what happens to him other than blood just starts raining down. I'm assuming there's either just like crushes them or maybe it has like some saws that it just draws them up to and then just like basically chops them. We don't know. No, but but they way, die. Whoever got hooked up there had a bad day. <laughs> yeah, very bad day. Um, so I'm going to read Riptide's story here and we're going to get live reactions from him and we're going to start with the absolute best article ever written. You ready, Derek? I'm ready. All right. Riptide breaks the tension by squeezing the sore on his shoulder between his thumb and forefinger. The pain shoots up his neck and into his skull, offering a momentary distraction. The sword gives with satisfying pop, erupting ichor that streams down his bulky bicep and drips onto the corroded iron of his forearm, which I honestly forgot. His, I keep forgetting his forearm, his one arm is just mechanical. Yeah, robot hand on yeah. that nasty boy. The, um. pain, the, pain, uh, the pain recedes as Rip Tide White's meat and mechanics clean with a cloth drenched in alcohol. He takes a swig from the bottle for good measure, relinquishing the pungent warmth. Relishing the pungent warmth that passes down his throat. Best, best paragraph ever written. Is it, though? Yes. <laughs> that is so gross. <laughs> like, I was talking about him as like, you know, our, our little nasty boy. He, I underestimated just how nasty he was. Like, you know, we, we've seen the art. We know he's gross. But jeez. <laughs> so yeah, he's so... Yeah, so right now we're just... He's waiting for something. And he pops a sore on his shoulder and drinks some alcohol. Honestly, it fits retired. Or, or as Tommy tweeted out, it's his inner monologue. So... Reading Tommy's inner thoughts right now for Fresh and Buds. I, your choice on that one. <clears throat> on to the next part. So, basically, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to be reading the paragraphs in between the pictures and then we're going to chat about it. The waiting is always the hardest bit. After the concentration of design, the busy work of the build, the waiting stretches out unbroken like algae on the waters of the sea. Anticipation gnaws at his guts, impatient bites as at his stiff back. He wishes the bloody prey would hurry and get caught, then he can get moving again. On to the next project, whether sailing or hunting, salvaging or inventing. Wow. Riptide is not a man who likes to sit still for long. A barge chugs by, laden with uh, tenatin or bound for uplift to metrics. His boat bobs in its wake, jerking as it at its mooring like an excited dog. Riptide parked across the channel from his trap, in the shadows of a looming brick warehouse. On the other bank, outside a seedy casino, his bait wakes with a start. It can only take moment only takes a moment for the pain to kick in, for the injured man to wail like a newborn in the wee hours. Riptides can almost sympathize. Get your leg caught in the dozen of a drag trap would sting it. A stricken gangster tries to haul the jaws apart with his bare hands. The 
They budge only to snap back and pinch even tighter, bloodying his fingers in the process. Riptide sighs. Just another thug with brutality for brains. A good screamer, though. So, we see here, he's laid a trap, and the bait is a human. Who got caught in a previous trap. <laughs> My man's got layers on layers of plans. How? How? What? Is, what? The man goes, alright, I caught this human, using him as bait for other humans. So he can catch what sounds like some some ore that he needs. That's no, about he, to go to the metrics. No, the barge is literally just the barge is literally just background in this. Okay. So yeah, it just talks about it's basically I think to set up like that he's in the boat kind of thing. So yeah. He's literally set a trap. With bait. That's a human person. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, if you want the best bait and you're trying to catch at least halfway decent people, yeah. what else are you going to do? These people. But also at the same time, this also just shows, you know, Riptide looks like a brute, but he's probably a lot smarter than a brute. Probably. I don't know about where Leviah falls on that. She could be kind of, I think she could be smart. She might have been smart before she turned into the brute. We don't know. Um, I, I we imagine probably... she's, she's a little bit smarter than like Reinar, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I would imagine she's not like. Riptide smart, yeah. She's not typically a librarian unless she's no. in your hands. <laughs> uh, the one and only librarian, Leviah. Patreon.com slash Steelblade Showtime. Alright. As the boss... So, we're going to be getting referred to... The boss is Riptide's boss, who... I, I'm pretty... If we read... If you read the Spider's Nest, you already know who the boss is, because he called Azuri the boss in Spider's Nest. So. So, whoever's referring to the boss, I am... When we get to, the, I'm like 90% sure this is a Zuri. That is almost definitely our girl. Yep. Also, the pictures in here. The if you so if you scroll down to the first one, it is literally just Riptide sitting in a boat in a boat across from the casino with some horrifying heads on his waist. As the boss predicted, the man's pitiful cry has awakened the inhabitants of the casino. Lanterns are lit. The main door opens. Bleary-eyed henchmen spill out onto the street, fresh from wherever, whatever sack they drunkenly slumped into last night. Bald heads gleam in the lamplight. Snarling mouths reveal teeth filled to points. Filed to points. Oh my gosh. I am terrible at reading. Uh, tattooed hands brandish black tech pistols, which were in the pits. Did they just steal these pistols from Metrics? Yeah, I I believe that's like standard fare. Okay, is that you know they raid the metrics supplies and get their stuff from there. Because like it says black tech pistols, but in another f a picture, it literally is the um, plasma pistol that Dash uses. So maybe it's just they etch something on it and they call it their black tech anyway. Doesn't talk about it. It's not important. <laughs> It's just me going, why are they called Black Tech Pistols, but look like the Plasma Pistol? Anyway. I wonder if it's like... The, 
like a, a black market tech low thing that's been Ooh. modified in some way. Maybe. All right. Most are bare chested, showing off the scale and fin symbol of their piranha affiliation. They're angry from the rude awakening, ready to rumble. Easy pickings for the trap Riptide is set for them. With the street so strewn with rubbish and their brains still foggy with grog, the piranhas fail to notice the latisse work of pins and tripwires Riptide laid out under the cover of darkness. With all of the salvaging he's done and the dimmest wretches of the sea, he can see fine in the gloom. Like the rest of him, his peepers have adjusted to the life in the pits for better or worse. Amongst the filth and ferocity, he's made a home away from home. He sometimes dreams of the open sea, of his time on the Kraken, trawling through those waves, plundering whatever the winds brought across their bow, chasing leviathans through the glittering icebergs of Tempest Straits, watching pirate hunters burn on Griefer's Reef. It was a fine life while it lasted. The first piranhas trip, first piranhas trip his wires as they move in to help their stricken comrade. Even from across the channel, you can hear the click and swoosh of his traps being triggered. A circular saw blade flies out of the shadows and takes the lead gangster's head clean off with no small pride. It's with no small pride that Riptide notes the exactness of the decapitation. He pats the preserved heads that hang from his belt. Clean removal is a trick with trophies. Can't be marring the merchandise with sloppy work workmanship. So we get a couple things in this part. One, Riptide's not from the pits. He's lives well, there now. He might be originally from the pits and left for piracy and came back to the pits. It's not a hundred percent clear, but because, it sounds like he spent a lot of time away from the pits because he calls it his home. It says it's his home away from home. So okay, so maybe maybe okay, he like uh, left real I early. Like, one of this, maybe he was, like, born in the pits, and then his parents just kind of yeeted him out. Because he was too nasty. Yeah, and then they had, he just, I mean, maybe he just worked for, like, a fisherman and then became a pot. We don't know. Because I, I think the, to me, my biggest takeaway from this chunk is, uh, Riptide's adorable. <laughs> and I say this because he referred to his own eyes as peepers. Yes, he did. He said, my peepers work well <laughs> in the darkness. And I just, <laughs> that was one of those, like, what, same thing when I first read The Spider's Nest. There's There seems to always be one line in these articles that just, like, takes me aback as I register. <laughs> people talk like this? Yep. I guess some people do. Yeah. Also, so we find out that the person that was being used for bait was a piranha who is uh, one of the gangs from the pits. And there's a reason. there. So they did something if Riptide's setting up these traps. Which also, the precision that this man has to be able to set a tripwire and fire a saw blade that it takes the head clean off. Right. And, like, that's that's planned in advance that's not just like he fired it and has good aim that mm -hmm. is he set a wire that the right person stepped into 
that then took the head clean off. So he prepped in advance for where in that alleyway that this dude would step into to get uh, decapitated. Here, I'm going to send you the link so you can see. I'm going to put it here in the mess, the chat here. Don't right. go to, don't read along, but just look at, just go by the, look at the photo. The guy getting his head decapitated. Let's, will... let's see this nasty, nasty thing from our stinky boy. And also, <laughs> so, but I'm sorry, there, there's just, as I'm looking at this art for the first time, I'm looking at the first picture of a riptide in his boat, yeah. just watching what he's doing. Who just names their casino Casino? casino? <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. Also, that was... you, you see how they have him like animated up top? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's real interesting. That's that rancid breath that I'm here for. <laughs> so yeah, so the casino is just named Casino. And this, but, these piranha dudes look a bit like vampire-ish. Yeah. Also, you see how that does not that just looks like the Tecloplasma pistol? It does. That looks exactly like it. So. What is it? Also, but like, I'm kind of curious, like, what are Leviathans and why are and they're in the cold? Where's the Tempest Strait? What is Griefer's Reef? Are we going to get pirates here sometime? I think we'll eventually get some pirates. Yeah, we, we have the, uh, Gillen's pointed out the art on freewheeling renegades. Uh, oh yeah, that's that's full piracy right there. Yep. Um, we've got a ton of places to explore yet, uh, and there's this whole theory, right? On, uh, I'm not sure if any of y'all have heard this this theory before, of where on the on the back of the cards is supposedly. Each of the, the corners is one of the regions, and we've just been going clockwise. Um, and so, so far, according to this, you know, we were just at the pits in the bottom left corner. And then just next to it is... Uh, the Badlands? I forget or... if they were saying that was... I think that was supposed to be uh, uh, the Demon the Astery. Oh. Next for dusk till dawn, which if this pattern holds true, we're going to the Savage Lands uh, after. But oh, I I missed the ones in the middle. See, I was looking at the Savage Lands. I'm like, so we're going to the Savage Lands next, but I see the one in the middle between the two corners. So well, if that's so far, we're we're on like grand plan. So which uh, one? Is so the top left corner is that? See, I see a harp. Is that top left was Aria? I was gonna say, would that be Aria followed by um, oh my god, Solana and then Metrics? Yeah, if you're going from, from left to right, okay. I never even noticed that. That's so cool. I think that was uh, I think that was Will that told me about this one. Uh, that is so cool. 
it's a really interesting thing. But I, I think it, the thing that I like about this is it's it's showing us if this pattern holds true, it it might not. It gives us a little bit more, I don't know, stability on what to expect coming next. You know, wh when are we going back to our favorites? Yeah. Uh, but also, uh, e even within each of these, so far we've been on Aria as a whole. Yes. Solana as a whole. You know, Bulkor as a whole. But there are tons of regions within these. There, there has to be that are going to be a little bit more unique, a little bit yeah. more, you know, niche. If we're just getting here's the country again, and we're not focusing in, that's not going to be great for the yeah. for the longevity. That's so cool. I've never noticed that. Like I've looked at the back of the card, and I'm like, the back of the card just looks so cool. But I've never noticed the start, like the logos. Yeah. yeah, it's really neat. I'm too All busy. these little layers that are that are peppered in here. I'm too busy like looking at the front artwork going, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> right. The next three piranhas lose their noggin in a similar fashion. One blade flies a little high, a bit too slow, cutting through the victim's upper lip, grinding to a quivering halt just below his earlobes. Riptide tut tuts himself for that one. <laughs> There's another thing. He's just a cute tut little guy. <laughs> <laughs> Should have triple checked the tension. The remaining gangsters spread out in a panic, hoping to make harder targets for themselves, but there's no targeting involved. That would require uh, much, wow, met Metrixian tech. A load of fancy, smart-ass automation. I keep wanting going automaton but it's a t automation Riptide has neither the coin nor the patience for he likes his devices simple and fashioned from everyday junk letting machines think for you that's a recipe for breeding stupidity blades fly out as the piranhas from all fly out at the piranhas from all directions they blunder through his perimeter wires to his amusement a single blade slices through two lined up gangsters parting legs from torsos with razor-sharp ease. A few are quick enough on their feet to get winged rather than bisected, their screams joining with the agonizing hollering of Riptide's original bait. Amelia... Um, wow, oh my gosh. Oh, give me a second here. Refresh. Melodious Barbershop of Bothers. Just what the boss ordered. The louder it gets out front, the more attractive it becomes for her quarry to slip out the back. And like clockwork, the rear door of the casino opens up, out pops a gun-toting gangster, then another, followed by a fine-suited man, proprietor, and bean counter. <laughs> bean counter. Bean counter. <laughs> the I, jet... Riptide is so good. It just... <laughs> What what a cute little guy. <laughs> the gent that the boss wants a quiet word with about takings and percentages. Riptide picks up his bow, flexes his metallic hand, and lines up the fur farthest of the two bodyguards. A heavy arrow skewers a man like a harpoon through, uh, uh, through a blubbery bot line seal. 
To his credit, the surviving meat shield does his job covering his employer with his fleshy bulk. It makes for a tricky shot. Wouldn't do to puncture the prize. So Riptide waits until the target has moved his bald mug just so. The arrow punches through the man's face, popping his head like one of Riptide's bulbous sores. So this man is pristine on sh- stuff. On yeah. Sh- Not on his, like, personal hygiene. But <laughs> but a little bit on everything else. You know, it sounds like he only made a couple of mistakes in the calibration of his gear. Uh, you know, just looking at you know, where we see him in the, the picture of the boat and how far he is from the casino, mm-hmm. he is taking some pinpoint shots. Yeah, especially to be able to hit the one guy's head and not damage the guy he's trying to block. Right. Riptide is a maniac. Also, bean counter. <laughs> bean counter. <laughs> tut, tut, and bean counter. <laughs> This is just a treasure trove. I I am going to need to get like a little bit of pink paint to just like put little blush marks on oh. on my Riptide card. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the bean counter stands there for a gormless, gore-smeared moment before a lean, long-coated figure steps up behind him and drives a syringe through his white collar. He flinches and flops as a sedative takes hold, toppling him like a carcass on a killing room floor. Other figures appear out of the closest alleyways, pushing a tumbrel between them. They haul the suited gentleman onto the tray and carry him off into the half of a, into the half light. The boss tucks her syringe into one of the many pockets in her coat. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Looks across the water at Riptide and gives him a nod. Shrewd woman that... Shrewd woman that... That's all it says. What if... What kind of... Is that just him thinking shrewd woman? And it's literally just shrewd woman, comma, that, period. What? Would have had her... Oh, sorry. That's that's proper English. It's It's not common that people speak like that but it works okay would have had her people watching him the whole time to make sure he fulfilled his contract he never dreamed of reneging reneging it's on a deal that's what i thought so not with this boss every job challenges his ingenuity and the weapon she asked him to design are as delightful to make as they are deadly to wield. Nor does he mind the air of mistrust. Part of him appreciates the attention. The slightest smile twists his mutilated face as he watches her stride off into the awakening morn, a productive start to what will be a rewarding day for all concerned. He sets down his bow, takes up his oar, paddles across the channel, blades to retrieve, trophies to claim, traps to tweak, no point in waiting about. So obviously the boss is most likely Azuri. Is that's revealed. definitely mm-hmm. definitely Azuri there. Now, so he's we, an inventor. We've got, the long coat, we've got the you know the the sly stuff. The implication yeah. she's rolling with the whole gang. Unless there's there happens to be another boss that he would refer to. It's like 
theoretically mm-hmm. she's not the spider yeah you know that's that's what it sounded like but so he's also a inventor so he's kind of like we'll say he's kind of like the dash of the pits so to speak not as fancy but the dude can get stuff done with like everyday just using trash yeah little little raccoon man (laughs) (laughs) i love it rip raccoon riptide (laughs) Yes. <laughs> like that's I I really appreciate this story because it, it's not much. It's literally just like I don't know, maybe five minutes of this man's life. Mm-hmm. But it tells you just about all you need to know. Also, it, you in the two pictures at like they drew up, you can just see the green stuff coming out of his mouth. Yeah, he's he's got some halitosis for sure. <laughs> like, I I would not want to stand within like, you know, probably a fifteen foot radius of this man, because that odor cannot be pleasant. Do you think we maybe get a specialization later down the line uh, for Riptide that's just like stinky breath? <laughs> I would laugh so hard. Stench aura, <laughs> like. <laughs> Like the flavor text just says, you Riptide's breath or odor from his sores is too much to stand. It'd be so good. Man, what a. They really did a great job of just making him just really nasty. He's nasty. According to you, he's a little bit cute. He is a little bit cute. <laughs> <laughs> He's smart. This man is literally like, like, literally just a whirlpool of a whole different things. And I, I want to see, you know, maybe Riptide can be like the the character bridge for when we eventually get pirates. You know, yeah. maybe we get like a a, a talent that is pirate ish, uh, and then we can have like. Pirate Ranger Riptide. Yeah. So, like, back when he was on with the Kraken. Or maybe he rejoins them. Yeah. Maybe something happens, you know, gets... Because a lot of stuff's happening right now in the story that might fall down on uh, the spiders, and they might have to get disbanded, at least briefly. Yeah. I was reading... returns to the Kraken. Yeah, maybe he's like, "All right, I'm out. I'm I'm gone." Just starts plundering again. I mean, the man can literally wield an anchor. So what? What's causing him from not to like take this anchor like a lasso around his head and just chuck it at his ship and then reel it in? He could. That's that's some superhuman strength. <laughs> like, like my wife said, his song. She's feels should be hoist the colors because when you hear that song on TikTok, it's big bad. And Riptide is big bad if you see oh, this yeah. man anywhere. And, and now we know confirmed, like people thought, like he's a little bit piratey. But now we have confirmed uh, this cutie pirate. patootie was a pirate. What if the anchor he holds is from the Kraken? 
oh maybe maybe the kraken's like gotten destroyed and he maybe. keeps it as like a souvenir or something i mean a man has like out like barnacles on his shoulder yeah or that's just like the remainder of like some blood rot that he had happened to get and pop it was just like oh yeah done so that's Riptide's story. Gross and cute in equal measure. <laughs> He's calling his eyes peepers. He's cu- like referring to an accountant as a bean counter. Tut tut. L- little tut tut. I wonder if he like took his fingers and did like the like thing that people do when you do something bad and tut tut and just like wipes the one finger over the other. <laughs> tut tut Riptide. Oh my god. He might be. Shame on you. <laughs> or maybe, and or... also, that little line at the end, that he likes the attention a little bit from Azuri. Yeah. What a bashful boy. <laughs> <laughs> Th- this little guy, he's just, he's just here for the likes. He, likes he just work. wants to pay attention to him. He's like a dog excited for his next thing. <laughs> what do you want me to plan next? What do you want me to design next? What do you want me to do? What am I trapping my son? I wonder if he get if he got kicked off the Kraken because he was too stinky. That or maybe he was just maybe he was designing this stuff and the pirates got scared that he was gonna sink him one day. It could be. I wanna know how his face got mutilated. That's one thing I wanna know. I and like how he lost his arm. Like, is it just he's got the gangrene, and this is why he came out here? Because that does not look like, you know, when you look at the art, that is not a clean break. I was like, that is flesh ripped like, on his almost, arm. Almost melting. Like, he's he's not doing so great. And he could probably do with a, you know, maybe a trip to some healers. Yeah, maybe. But I don't think he's the type for that. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm still just thinking about like him basically playing claw machine with the assassins. Right. The guy's like, you missed. And Missouri's like, yeah, did I? And then all of a sudden, claw machine time. <laughs> Ding, ding, ding. You have a winner. <laughs> What'd you win? <laughs> Blood showers. It's Riptide's favorite. Yeah. Presumably. I mean. Man. Yeah, I, I'm excited to get into into Azuri's story next week. I guess I haven't even read it, and I don't plan to read it. So. Right. I, I've only read Arachne's so far. I haven't that, even read Arachne's. It's pretty good. It's it's a nice little touch. I started on the Vias a little bit. You oh, wait. Vias? I know. Did you read the Solitary Confinement Arachne or the regular Arachne? Both. Okay. So I, what... I read Arachne's story as soon as it dropped, and then same thing with the, uh, the Solitary. Did you? Does it say any reason... Like, does it say why he can't talk in it, or why he doesn't talk? No, it's it's vaguely implied uh, that he might be, or they might be, like, part dreg, 
um, because they're they're found after a. Uh, I mean the the literal. <laughs> I know he said he was found as a baby after like a raid or something. Right. They they refer to they refer to them as the feral orphan. Mm. So um, I know you said he got like he had a doctor was doing tests on him. Doctor Mortimer, yeah. was it? Yeah. So, what if he can't talk because of the tests that were being done? What if he was able to talk like as, at one point, but he couldn't talk because of all those, or like the Mortimer did something to him so that way he didn't have to listen to him scream and stuff or beg? It might be. Like it, it sounds so bad, but like, what if that is the reason why Arachne can't talk? But also, like, in the Spider's Nest story, it said how he just kind of, like, came up on... I think it was, like, he appeared on the... Was it the um, railing? The Spider's Trap. Yeah. Yeah, he was just kind of up there on, like, the railing of a large building. Yeah, perched on the railing. And literally, before I even, like, looked at the photo, my first thought is just, like, Arachne sitting on a railing like a cat. Just, just chilling. Like, what's up? So, Arachne's a cat, Riptide's a raccoon. What are, what are we going to get with Azuri next week? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm curious to find out what her actual story is. It's like... She has, from what we know, like... We learned a little bit about everybody else so far, even, mm -hmm. even before. Um, all we really know, before reading her story, obviously, uh, is that she's big, she's scary... And she's the boss. Yep. Uh, you you don't mess with her. Um, and she did not order the hit on the assassin or the uh, the emperor. Yep. So it would have been cool if they put like a shadow of Arachne in the rafters up above the assassin. I mean, the emperor art. That would have been interesting. <laughs> just a just a couple of eyes. Or just the mask poking out of the darkness would have been great. It's freaking crazy. I, I love these stories. They're they so good. They're great. They give you just enough to like let you know what's happening. And also like that that beautiful little tease into like what could they be? What else could this mean? Like, will we learn more about Dr. Mortimer? Like, it is entirely possible that we see him as a, like, poison-based alchemist. Yeah. I still want to see alchemists so bad. <laughs> Lena's going to be the first one. At this rate, I don't know. She's just a side see, character. I I don't see her being in. Um, unless they release her in 
a supplemental set first. We're not presumably if that if that rumor is true, we're not heading back to the pits for ages. So unless she goes traveling, she might not even. Well, she might not even be from the pit. She might be from metrics. She might be. But also, like, I don't know. Maybe putting her in a supplemental set might be best because I feel like drafting an alchemist might be weird when all the potions are from previous sets that she might use. I mean, I think that depends, right? Because if they if they add items that like items that block or you know, has something to make, like, token items. Um, it could be good. But it's it's really curious what Alchemist is actually going to mean. I want it to be, like, poisons. I've, I've repeated this plenty. Um, but bombs could be good, too. I, I want them to staple lasting effects to things, whether it's to yourself or to opponents. I, I would love to see them be a like late game powerhouse grind fest. Have we ever, ever been to the Savage Lands? We have not yet. So Savage oh. Lands is unexplored, technically. Right. And Mysteria. Welcome to Wrath was kind of the the exception to this uh, to this little spoiler rule because like, we got heroes from all from all over. Yeah, we got Arya, Solana, Mysteria, and Savage Lands. Right. Right. So basically, it was literally just the introduction to the world. Yeah, a small part of it. So maybe the next draft set it'll either be the Savage Lands or maybe they go to Mysteria. And we get maybe if they see they could go to Mysteria and they could continue the story a little bit because we went from Valkor, the Emperor got killed, then we're in the pits. Why the Emperor get killed? Well, well, that's what we're learning about. You know, well, it was a faked contract. Well, why'd the contract get faked? That's well, it says to be continued in that story. And in Shiana's story, it heavily implies that whether Solana ordered it or not. They're pretty okay with it. Yeah. So, so that, that could be part of why we're heading to Dust Until Dawn. Uh, to to find out a little bit more about why they're contract. okay with it. And then what if the next draft step is actually Mysteria? Because we got Katsu and Benji in this with also Azuri originally being from Mysteria, and then that kind of wraps everything up with this whole storyline at the end of the year. It'd it be could. I I'm real curious to find out what it's going to be. Because... You I'm calling it right here. Come back to this episode of Mysteria, and you can hear me say, "Next set is going to next draft sets Mysteria." You're gonna, you're gonna get on the wrong side of a lot of conspiracy theorists about that <laughs> that back of the card rumor. I I would personally love to see uh, Savage Lands. I I think it would be great because Brute hasn't gotten any direct support. In a yeah. while, um, and if they tried to do a Savage Lands without a brute, there would be riots. <laughs> I'd like to see the chief become like a hero. 
have like Reinar and the Chief like battling it out for their who's the best. I, I'm kind of curious if they're going to stick with this uh, three class, two hero each uh, design. I think it's I, kind of. I'm, I haven't drafted, but it honestly, like, I think it's kind of cool. You're it not. It feels so much better. Because, like, if you get more stealth cards and not a whole lot of, like, cards to attack react in with Azura, you can just play the Arachne. Whereas right. if you got some bigger attacks, you can go, all right, I'm going to play Azuri. Boom. They're coming in. Riptide, you can play a more defensive strategy. Azalea's more offensive. Benji's a mistake. <laughs> I have never felt like choosing to play Benji in the draft was a right decision. I, I don't think that's I don't think that's always the case, but I have never ended up with a card pool, even when I had a very blue uh like blue and yellow ninja deck. I have never felt like Benji, Benji. was the right choice because yeah. losing that HP to start is brutal. Also like Literally, if Riptide can block once against Benji, he could possibly like really just hurt Benji hard because being able because Benji says you can't block from cards from hand, right? Correct. So if he hits the three, Riptide can go all right, D react, load another D react in Arsenal, and right. we go all right. Here's another D react on the big card that he want Benji wants to hit. Now that assumes that nobody else has been taking these traps. Yes, because you know it is draft. You can't guarantee like. My my draft this Friday, uh, I ended up with four traps. That was that was it. Yeah, it was still enough for me to to say, "Yep, I am, I am Riptide over Azalea." But you can't guarantee it. But the the options there, and you can also use all of the things like uh, like brush off and peace of mind to prevent damage. Arsenal, one of the reacts you might have, and then keep going like that. Riptide's probably one of the best at dealing with Benji in Limited. So, here's another add-on to my theory, which I know is going to sound super weird, but we went from Aria to if we don't... So if we count the supplementals, we went from Aria in the Tales of Aria and Everfest, so they're both Aria, to the Uprising, which has Icelander in it, so she's kind of like the connecting point from Aria to Uprising, to the Volcor set. And then from Volcor, we have, we go into the Emperor in Dynasty, we go from the Emperor to the Pits with Arachne, so now we have Arachne taking us to the pits. While we're here at the pits, what are Katsu and Benji in this set for? Well, they could be taking us to Mysteria next. They could. It's, I... They could They could be like foreshadowing. The only problem is, is like, how do we get to Dust to Dawn in between these? So, right. That's and the I... only flaw in my theory. But like, okay, I don't know how we get from the pits to Uprising. But I guess, you know, since they're in the war in, they're in technically a war in Uprising, that's kind of how we get to it, because Arachne kind of just slays the Emperor. I don't know. 
My, it's just a dumb theory of, I had. It, it could absolutely just be off of, um, you know, side characters in the stories. Because oh, yeah. I, I am leaning towards my, uh, my, my little theory that secretly Shiana's the main character. Mm -hmm. She has been present in Uprising story, in, uh, in Pitt's story. She has been in Dynasty story a little bit. And, you know, she's in the spoiler arts for Dusk Till Dawn. Could be the main character. She's been the, the most frequently recurring hero. Where is that picture that I sent you of the one that we think might be during the... Uh... I want to I look at that again very real quick. Likely. Because that is that that art seems to be Dorinthia with her like light activated. So the one thing looking at that is that like broken trees, or is that just her this ginormous being now stomping across buildings? That's the one thing I can't tell on the bottom. I'm assuming it's trees and I it's normal like size Dorinthias. But what if okay, so what if Dust Till Dawn takes us kind of back to Volcor and like the aftermath of the Emperor being slain and like something trying to happen there? I mean we might. It's a supplemental set. So um, like it does have to do with you know, like Solana and I'm assuming the Demonastery because Dust Till Dawn. But it's not taking place in either of them. It's taking place in Volcor and like the aftermath of everything. It could be. Now we're we're getting into our our wild theories now. Uh, I I do think it's going to have something to do with the Emperor, but I I don't know. I'm really curious to see what angle they take it. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm I'm hoping maybe we get like the the sneak speak the sneak peek spoiler at the. Uh, at the Quest, yeah. uh dinner. That's gonna be so cool. I'm excited to be a part of that. Oh, I'm excited for everything. I'm also just like the way this is playing out, how this is literally just becoming this giant story is just so cool. My my only real gripe is I, I wish they put out a little bit more like story per set. Like yeah. I, I want so much more. You know, and I, I think they'll probably get there. They're just laying the groundwork for the world and the characters, and we got to get to know them first. And then we can see the prime players and what they're up to. But some of this, I'm just... I, I want more. <laughs> you know, for winging an episode, I think we did pretty good today. Probably. <laughs> I, mean, I liked it. Hearing about my... So we have two theories right now on how the sets go. What they could both one of them could be right, one of them could be wrong. They could both be wrong. We'll find out. I guess the only time we'll tell on that one. It's kind of fun to talk about though, and like if it's like opened it up is just like okay, here here it transferred to here, which transferred to here, which transferred to here. Like, how we're going from these different places in a story instead of just, oh, we're going to this next just because we wanted to. 
right. kind of thing. I, um, I do think it's it's potentially, you know, uh, maybe we're doing this this little rumor, the conspiracy of like location to location, just for our first loop around town, mm-hmm. just to get everybody there. Because if they try to connect the story one to one to one to one every time around, just going going counterclockwise, then we're gonna get a little bit of stagnation. Yeah. And like, ah, so we know that the Savage Lands was behind this one. Cool. So I'm I'm hoping that they start to you know, they they give us the grand tour of the regions. And then it just goes off the rail, at least a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> it just becomes utter chaos, <laughs> but not like chaos like a bad way, but like a good way. I'm always just... down for chaos. You are. <laughs> also, we have uh, it's kind of cool. I forgot all about this. We have a new logo. We do. It's officially. I believe it should be on Spotify right now. I did the edit yesterday. Let me look here. See. It yep, it is. Yep, it's officially on Spotify. Um, we have a new logo. I tweeted about it yesterday. Uh, if you're in the Discord, you saw it. So we're officially no longer have the crappy clip art logo that I did. <laughs> we. It's almost like we're getting some sort of official nonsense. <laughs> um. And we got an official mascot. I'm putting quotes around official mascot because um, last night our buddy Jason and John brothers joined us to play and they're joining us for the Pro Tour. Jason's an avid listener um, and he said he is going to buy <laughs> a maid outfit and wear it all four days of the Pro Tour. So he has to do it now because I said about it. It's on blast. It's canon yep, now. Yep. Al with Tim's as his shoes. And I feel I feel like we should get him like bunny ears or something to go on the top. Or something. I, I still stand by that underneath the maid outfit should be Reinar cosplay. <laughs> that's it. So, that's that's my whole contribution to this. <laughs> so official with quotes around it, mascot is Jason in a maid outfit with Tim's and a Reinar cosplay. <laughs> Make it happen. It's canon now. <laughs> it's canon. Uh, and he he literally I for because I forget what I didn't I forget what John said. And Jason's like, I'm just gonna stand next to you the whole time. And I'm like, and you should get like a maid outfit. And Jason, Jason's like, "Don't try me, I will." And then he starts going on Amazon and looking up maid he outfits. Found one. He he's found already, one. Like, he's got it on lock. He did. He, he put in the legwork. And he oh. said he's going to. So now it's official that he has to. I don't know if he hit the order button yet or not, but I think we've got a. I think we've got a little steel blade showtime made. <laughs> uh so that's where we're at episode 19 is in the books we have any anything else we want to talk about real quick yeah just a little uh you know we're we're getting some stickers of those uh of the the new logo split up to uh if you see us at the pro tour 
catch us and we'll we'll give you a sticker. There you go. Thanks for listening. Bear, thumbs us off. Y'all have a great rest of your week. Enjoy your flesh and blood, my friends. <laughs>